the volume. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Continental Extreme Con. Contact DWS 06 Plus. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. Turn first-round picks like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. Visit PaniniAmerica.net today. This is Prime Cuts, the best of the Colin Coward podcast. Really interesting week. Legendary Bulls writer Sam Smith, who wrote the great book, The Jordan Rules, talks about the inaccuracies of The Last Dance, the documentary about MJ, driven by MJ, and the bizarre behavior of Scottie Pippen, he would know. Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Mannix. Insights on a possible Damian Lillard trade for Ben Simmons. And why Kyrie Irving is untradeable. Plus, New York sports broadcaster Michael Kay, voice of the Yankees. Been hosting a talk radio show in New York for years. Got a new book out. Good dude. Lot of great stories. Lot of depth. But first, my top takes of the week. If the new NIL rules, that's name, image, likeness rules, had always existed, give me a top five athletes who would have cashed in the most. Well, I'll give you three. Tebow, Reggie Bush, Vince Young. The one name being thrown out that I roll my eyes at is Johnny Manziel. Okay, Johnny Manziel plays for Texas A&M, which is about a quarter the size of Texas in terms of overall fan base and about one third the size of Oklahoma. Johnny Manziel was a blip. Those Aggie teams were never a threat to win the national championship. And they're barely, barely a regional brand. Texas is a national brand. USC is a national brand. Florida is a southern brand. Texas A&M, at best, is a marginal state of Texas brand. It's not as big as the Cowboys. It's not as big as Texas. Oklahoma football is bigger than Texas A&M in Texas. Don't believe me? Look at the players they sign over the last 20 years. The best high schoolers have almost always leaned Oklahoma 
over Texas A&M. The kids in Texas who can play are telling you that. After that, it's all up for debate. But Tebow, Bush, Vince Young, top three in any order. Scottie Pippen and Carmelo Anthony would make my first team all lack of self-awareness team. I covered Scottie for a couple of years. Scottie's really talented, a great athlete, but he just never had an understanding of how he was viewed. He was really athletic and really talented and one of the great defenders in the history of the league. Great length, great quickness for his size, offensively a great slasher. But, you know, Scotty was always viewed as somebody who, when he was briefly given the number one role for the Bulls, after a year, he unraveled. Scotty was never emotionally, mentally a one. He was a two. He was a small town kid that Chicago's the big city and Michael was big enough for the room. Scotty wasn't. He was in a perfect role as a two from the interviews to running the team to a practice guy to somebody that you could rely on. He was always viewed as a great two. But Scotty always kind of wanted to be paid like a one and treated like a one. Now, many people have insinuated, well, Scotty had a bad contract. He had a right to be mad. Nobody had a worse contract than Michael Jordan. Magic Johnson's first contract was 25 years, $25 million. Guys back then, a lot of stars had bad contracts. They made money, though. They started to make big money, obviously, with Jordan and Magic, with their shoes. But Scotty's always had a little bit of an axe to grind. And so when Jordan comes out with his 10-part documentary, and it kind of, you know, marginalizes Scotty, I didn't think it did. I thought, you know, Scotty wasn't that interesting. He was just the second best player on a really fascinating team. Rodman was fascinating. Uh, the Steve Kerr-Michael Jordan relationship, where Michael punched him, fascinating. Uh, the Michael-Jerry Krause relationship, fascinating. The Kukoc-Pippen-Jordan relationship, fascinating. You know, I mean, Rodman was nuts. Scotty wasn't. Michael was a superstar off the court. Scotty wasn't. Scotty was just really good. And I, I think the documentary really is the ignition switch for years of an axe to grind and a feeling that, you know, I'm not viewed as I should be. When in fact, Scotty's viewed, in my opinion, perfectly. Never, ever could give him the number one role. In fact, Paul George, to me, is a more reliable one than, and he's he's viewed as wildly inconsistent. I would build around Paul George before I'd build around Scotty Pippen. Pippen went to Houston. He and Barkley couldn't stand each other. Scotty went to Portland. They didn't dial up plays for Scotty. I mean, Rasheed Wallace would take the big shot. Steve Smith would take the big shot. Arvidas Sabonis would take the big shot. Scotty was never a guy you dialed up the big shot for. I said it the other day on television. That Laker Blazers series, a seven-gamer in the Western Conference Finals, Scotty was three for 10 in the game and 0 for three in the fourth. You don't dial up plays for Scotty Pippen. That was never his role. So he writes a book all about vengeance, vindictiveness, and it's boomerang come right back in his face. And that's what it should do. If you do anything in your life out of vindictiveness, don't be surprised if it comes back to bite you in the ass. And that's what Scotty did. And that's the result. Chauncey Billups, new coach of the Blazers and the Dame situation. He's unhappy. Let me start with that because a couple of weeks ago I was on social media and I had tweeted something and actually Damian Lillard DM'd me. Yes, Damian Lillard. I had talked about this on the TV show, and I think we've had enough time now 
were removed from it far enough I can talk about it. I'm not going to get into too many specifics, but what we discussed was Damian Lillard and his options. So in nine seasons, he's the Batman. They have not delivered a Robin. And this is where I side with players. LeBron James gave Cleveland seven years. They couldn't get him a second All-Star. C.J. McCollum is a very nice player, but how many years have people been screaming they, their skills are often duplicated. Obviously, Dame's better, and they have not moved him. So I don't have a ton of sympathy when in eight or nine free agency periods and eight or nine drafts, you can't find a really solid second star for Dame. And I'm not saying it's easy. Mark Cuban now is going to have to do that with Luca. He's going to have to find a Robin, or in five years, four years, uh, Luca will bolt, but but this is the world we're in. Dame, when he and I briefly text back and forth, loves Portland, loves the people, but it's the reality. He's going to be what is he? Thirty one in July, drafted by Portland in twenty twelve. He wanted Jason Kidd. They went to the same high school in Alameda. Didn't get him. It's Chauncey Billups. Now I don't necessarily think players should be hiring coaches, but. The reality is Dame's as big a star as Portland has had since, you know, Clyde Drexler. He's going to have some pull. I mean, if Luka wants a coach, then Jason Kidd or Chauncey Billups would be your head coach. The Lakers think they have a shot at him. That's sort of Los Angeles delusion. The Los Angeles Lakers have players. KCP's a solid player, hot and cold. It's not what Portland wants. Kyle Kuzma, LeBron doesn't get along with him. They'd love to move him. He's kind of expensive. It's not the kind of contract you can't move, but it's not necessarily team-friendly considering he disappears often in big spots for the Lakers. You know, Dennis Schroeder's a guy that Lakers will probably re-sign him, but he he's a difficult, difficult player, I'm told. Doesn't get along with a lot of people, can be very difficult to coach, and Frank Vogel's finding that out. You could move Anthony Davis, but he's represented by Clutch Sports. That's LeBron, so they're not going to move him. I just don't think the Lakers have the pieces. You know, Dame works almost everywhere, not named Golden State. They've got Steph. He works everywhere, not named Atlanta with Trey Young. So you're not going to have problems moving Dame, but I get it. You're at a place eight, nine years. They can't deliver a second star. This is where we're at. It's happened before. I love Portland, but you know, it's never even hosted an NBA all-star game. They don't have enough hotel rooms. It's a small city. You know, in baseball parlance, it's a great AAA town. And there's a reality here that maybe Jason Kidd could have chosen between Portland and Dallas and chose Dallas. It's in the middle of the country. You have fewer hours in the air, no state tax. A lot of players love Dallas. Some players love Portland. But listen, it may have come down to that. And Jason Kidd has options. More than one team wanted Jason Kidd. That's where we stand today. But my guess is Dame would have to force his way out of Portland to leave Portland. He is simply, like Steph Curry, too popular for a GM to move. Portland's GM would probably be better served. Portland's owner would be better served if Dame came out and said, I want out. That would make it easier to move him. They'd lose some leverage. But Dame is so talented, you'd get, you'd get a lot of nice things in return. Portland would get a ton of nice things in return. All right, here's Sam Smith, Bulls.com, Chicago Trib for years. The Jordan Rules, a great book. I've read it twice, New York Times bestseller. So it seems like about once a year, Sam, I call you. Or my guys call you, I say, okay, I got to bring in Sam Smith. We got to talk about this because 
The Bulls that you covered are more fascinating, certainly, than the Bulls today. And 90% of the league, they were, I, I always said, I said today, it's like the Rolling Stones. If you did a documentary on them, there'd be the Keith Richards didn't show up to the concert. You know, there would be the Mick Jagger-Keith fights. There would be, it's just a fascinating team that you covered. And I covered Scotty for two years in Portland. And I always felt he had a little bit of an ax to grind, but didn't. He would talk to you privately about it. And then Michael does the documentary and he's like, okay, the gloves are off. I'm going to write a book. Here we go. So I think, Sam, my gut feeling is it's an ill-advised book that he would not have written if there wasn't a documentary. Am I right or wrong on that? Uh, yes and no. When you're with him and you get to talk to him, you, you know, if you got to you know, know him in, uh, in Portland, um, you know he's he's very personable. You if, if you find you get along with him well, and then and then these outrages come along every so often, and you're like you're like amazed, like where did that come from? But you know one thing I wanted to say about Scotty because you know I was around him from when he came into the NBA, uh, his entire career. I I, I never run across an athlete that or, or you know actor whatever you make these great comparisons. Who has such a resilient ability to come off the mat from things that nobody would survive? You know, not only eight seconds, which gets discussed. It was a favorite migrate pick. Uh, you know, in the nineteen ninety finals, nineteen you know seventh game of the conference finals, sitting there with a towel over his head. He puts the sort of the ultimate of quitting and comes back and is a star of a championship team the next year. So, yeah, and so many outrages where I remember one great story. If you have time, we were in Boston on a trip and Scotty goes off on Jerry Krause. I hate him. uh, Just bashing him. And so, you know, this is newspaper era, you know, before, you know, media, you know, Twitter, all that sort of stuff. So we get to Chicago the next morning and and there's TV trucks all over because the media didn't travel back then, the TV and radio. And there's trucks all over the place and TV and Scotty walks in and says to Phil, what, you know, what, what's all the TV here? What's did something happen? And Phil goes, well, no, they're here to see you. He said, well, why? He said, well, well, we, you said last night. And Scotty goes, what'd I say? <laughs> you know, like, what was the big deal? And it, it's always been like that, that he says, he does these, you know, sort of like, you know, Mark Twain, the, the old, you know, Better to keep your mouth closed and let him think you're the fool than open it and, and you know, show otherwise. And, and Scotty does and then just keeps going on. So, you know, writing a book, like you said, yeah, it, maybe it'd be ill-advised and you're thinking, you know, <laughs> here he comes again. But knowing Scotty Pippen, you know, he'll do it and then get up off the mat again. We've all had that dream. Tie game, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. Well, on FanDuel Sportsbook, you get more than one shot to swing for the fences because FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's right. New users get up to 1000 bucks back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win. And it only gets better from there. Check out FanDuel's new promo live every Tuesday, $5 Dinger Tuesdays. Place a $25 wager or more on any player to hit a home run on Tuesday, and get a $5 bonus in-site credit for every home run hit in the game. Max 25 bucks. Make your MLB picks for the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Same game parlay is preferred. 
any local player, you would place a 25-plus home run wager on this Tuesday to opt in to the promotion? My pick, Shohei Otani. There's a reason FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. Great odds, all different betting markets, unique fun, bet types like Same Game Parlay, which is great. Their Same Game Parlay is fantastic. Always on promotions to let you get more action out of every game. And when you win, FanDuel pays your winnings in as little as 24 hours. They do. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, sign up, promo code Colin to get in on the action. FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code Colin. 21 plus and present in Indiana or Jersey. First online real money wager only for risk-free bet, refund, and bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max bonus, 25 bucks a game. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gaming problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana or 1-800-GAMBLER in Jersey. So you're a sports fan, right? That's why you're listening. But if you're considering getting in on the fun of sports gambling, I want to let you know about a great resource, the Action Network. The Action Network is where fans go when they're ready to bet smarter and turn a profit betting on sports. In fact, their free Action Network app, free, recently named the best app in sports betting. With the Action app, you can, one, see the latest picks and articles from the Action Network gambling experts, two, compare odds from different sports books, and three, track every bet you make so you always know how your picks are doing. So if the game means more to you, download the free Action Network app and start betting smarter. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Toyo tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Toyo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go back to The Last Dance. I have said that I think it was... It was Michael Jordan's view, and this is all doc- documentaries. They're not journalism. Whoever the documentarian is, it's their view of an event or a, or a time period. I think mostly MJ's last dance, I remember the moments. It did have a Michael lean to it. Were there things in it, the last dance that Sam, you just take exception to and go, okay, that's a bunch of bullshit. All right, that didn't happen. Were there because a lot of it was public? I we knew about Kraus MJ. We knew a lot, but Sam, were there things in the Last Dance that forget Pippen that you took exception to? People have asked me about it. Obviously, you have, uh, and and when I say it, I said it's one of those TV movies that you see on, and they put up a disclaimer and say based on a true story. <laughs> so yeah, the story essentially is true. But a lot of elements were were added sort of for drama, like with the pizza thing in the Utah hotel. Right. With the actually, he didn't have the flu. What he really had, and nobody's ever said it. You know, I knew we knew with the doctors, he had altitude sickness, but it didn't sound cool enough. Now I don't know why he changed it to make up the pizza poison pizza thing. You know, because he got out, he sort of escaped with the flu. Everybody bought that; it sounded good, but. They were up in Park City and kept traveling back and forth into the valley, you know, for practice, back and forth, back and forth. And, and the, the doctors around the team felt what he had was altitude sickness, but it didn't sound like yeah. something Michael Jordan would have. The biggest thing was, and it's been the history that the, that the Bulls broke up the team, that they forced this. And Jordan in the documentary says they should have given us, oh, actually, and I know this, Jordan has since apologized to the Bulls and said, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But what happened, there's all the stuff that happened, you know, be, between the Bulls did offer contracts to everybody if Jordan would come back. And, and of course, they, they were getting, they were all free agents and were getting bigger offers, Scotty particularly with Houston. And, and yeah. the Bulls accommodated that. Scotty's top deal was $38 million. They did a sign and trade to get him to seventy six. Now, of course, Houston regretted that because Scotty had back surgery again after the 98 season. And that's when you saw him in Portland. He was no longer an athlete. That's why he couldn't do, you know, he was a facilitator completely. He couldn't make plays then like he could athletically with the Bulls. But that that what Jordan conveniently left out was during that lockout season in 97, 98, he cut his finger open on a cigar uh, thing and yeah. had had surgery. So he he wasn't going to be able to play that season. <laughs> so this give us a chance to come back thing was like, what are you talking about? You couldn't play. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there was that. <laughs> so there were a couple of things like that. Uh, but, you know, it's like, like I say, with a good movie, you know, you sort of, a lot of time you're watching a good movie and you say, well, that you think to yourself, that couldn't happen. But yeah, you want to let it go along because it's just a good drama. 
And yeah, basically, we all knew that that story, that was the story. It was a chance for all of us to look back and appreciate it, you know, me included, because when you're going through it, you know, you didn't appreciate, not that I was there, but I, it, it, you probably didn't appreciate the Gettysburg Address as much as when you look back on it. But at the time when he read those, you know, 20 minutes of words, you were thinking, all right, that's good, but I've heard better than that. You know, and then when you, you know, you think about it, say, hey, that's pretty cool. And so <laughs> when it's every day and you're going to the next game and the next game and building the next story and can they, you know, you, you don't appreciate it as much. And so now, you know, 20, 30 years later to stand back and see it like we did. So I wasn't going to quibble about some of the some of the things that came up that, yeah, well, maybe not exactly, but, you know, for the story, it made a good story. Zach Levine, you watch him on a nightly basis. I don't. 27 a game yet has one of the lower winning percentages. I, I've said about Zach Levine, talent's there, doesn't feel like a winning basketball player, just a super talented basketball player. You tell me, you see him more than I do. What's the story with him? Well, because, you know, probably because I see him every game, you know, I'd be biased. But uh, I, I think it's really unfair to judge a player as, as, as a failure to win because he hasn't won, which <laughs> it would sound... You know, the circumstances of Zach, I mean, he, he he came to a Minnesota team that was rebuilding, essentially, was starting over, you know, gets into his third year, wins, you know, dunk contests and all, shows his athleticism, and then gets traded to a team that, again, is starting over. So basically, six of his first seven years, he was playing with teams trying to lose for draft picks. And so, yeah. It, I don't know how you can necessarily, I mean, you can, but, you know, because we judge, we, we judge in, in sort of in reverse. We say, well, let's see what happened. And then we'll tell you why it happened rather than saying, we think this will happen. We say, well, if they look, if he lost, he must be a loser. And I, I think he's a, I think he's a unique talent. He fortunately this season, and at least with the Bulls has not been able to play with a Chris Paul. I, I think Phoenix is the, perfect example. Look at Devin Booker. Zach is way better than Devin Booker. He can do everything Devin Booker can and better. Um, and he's bigger and he's more athletic. Uh, and Devin Booker scored 70 or 80 points with 70 points, whatever he got, and never was in a playoff game. And then what do you know? Chris Paul shows up and a guy who knows how to play, paces the game, knows when to get you the ball at the right spot. And you don't have to be carrying the ball over the place, making turnovers and things. You notice at the end of games when Booker, when they give Booker the ball, is a turnover, there's a bad isolation, there's a bad shot. When Chris has the ball and he can score and get in position, that's what Zach needs. If you get, yeah, he's not, you know, he's not Michael Jordan that you're going to give him the ball and he can finish every game without making mistakes. He's not a natural ball handler. He's good enough, you know, he's good enough to, you know, big ball screens or pick and roll and, and play and make plays off the dribble, but not being as your primary guy against the defense. If the Bulls can get someone like that, and it's hard to do, he he can be what Devin Booker has become. Devin Booker was a loser. Now he's in the, you know, probably going to be in the finals or, you know, uh, we'll see how the Clippers series goes. But, um, you, you know, Zach's, but he is, he is a way better player than he's been uh, given credit for. And one thing, it's like with Durant, too. It, this is the most amazing recovery to me in the history of sports. He had the worst knee injury possible, ACL. I saw that happen with Derrick Rose. And Derrick, as good as he'd come back, is not the same 
physical player. He doesn't go in the air like he did. Zach goes in the air like, like nobody in the NBA after an ACL. Unheard of. Nobody's ever played like this after an ACL uh, with that kind of athleticism on a on a night on a game by game basis. I, I think he's just truly remarkable player about you know about to burst through and, and hopefully gets a chance. You know, he made the Olympic team. Let's get into it with Chris Mannix, my buddy. Mannix is a senior writer for Sports Illustrated. We hired him at the volume. His boxing podcast, Boxing with Chris Mannix, drops every Friday. So let's bring him in. Damian Lillard, who about two weeks ago DM'd me. I sent out a tweet uh, regarding him, and um, you know he DM'd me, and we went back and forth. And, you know, he was just – he was very cool about it. He was just sort of exploring his options. He loves Portland. He liked everything about Portland. Um, but, you know, one of the things I kept saying is, hey, man – you go eight years at a place and they can't get you a second star. I never have a problem with anybody moving. I can do radio TV for 40 years. You got about 12 and then you start falling apart. And and I look at this situation and that CJ McCollum is a nice player, but he duplicates much of what Dame does. And there've been people, myself included saying for three years, get wing scoring. You, you've got to get better on the wing. I mean, especially now that LeBron Kawhi Leonard or West, and I, I don't feel a ton of pity for Portland. Like, like they've run this thing back like three, four, five years, Chris. I, and even though, I mean, l- 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 so your first, your takeaway on that. And second, I think you can get a load for Dame. I think a lot of guys want to play with him. Well, look, there's a couple of things that I, I've been kind of feeling about this. One is, you know, if Damian Lillard wants to leave, he owes Portland nothing. Like he has given them everything he's had for what the last nine years. And, you know, it, it, their failures do not fall on his shoulders. Their failures fall on a lack of talent around him, inconsistent play around him, a myriad other reasons. And look, every passing day, that loss to the Nuggets just feels worse and worse. Like that's a Nuggets team that was had the doors blown off them by Phoenix and right. the Blazers lose in six games. So you can't really look at this Blazers team after that and say, all right, well, uh, the return of Zach Collins is going to make all the difference with that group. It's just not now. Like I, I kind of take some issue. Um, and again, I, I, I reiterate like Dame has the right to kind of push his way out, but how it's kind of being handled it, it reminds me almost like a guy breaking up with a girl for the first time. Like he doesn't know how to do it. Like he's sort of doing it in this, <laughs> this, this sort of ham handed way where, you know, it's, he's speaking to Chris Haynes, about I want Jason Kidd when he's never kind of done stuff like that, gone public about, you know, personnel coach, whatever uh, in the past, um, you know, Haynes recently wrote, you know, Haynes and obviously Dane have a great relationship. This is, yeah, to me anyway, it feels like it's all coming from him. Like, and it's, it's like, you know, taking issue with some of the stuff people are saying about him on social media. Well, I mean, who cares what people on Instagram and Twitter say about you? I mean, that if you can't let that represent the fan base at large, it just feels like Dame kind of sees what we see Colin that, that it's kind of over in Portland and he's right. in his early thirties and he could stay there. He's under contract through 2025, make a lot of money, you know, cement himself as the greatest blazer of all time, or he can move on and try to work with the blazers to finding a trade partner. Now I happen to think that's the best thing for both sides. Like 
I understand the guy's incredibly popular and sells tickets and, and makes you relevant in, in a national way, but is it really worth like three more years of first or at best second round playoff exits? Like we don't look at this Blazers team and say, even with a McCollum deal that would put them above Utah or Phoenix or the Lakers or the Clippers teams are going to be there for the next four years, not to mention the teams behind them that are coming up, you know, very quickly. Uh, is it really worth all that? Like Portland, I think you're right. Could get a haul for Damian Lillard. I mean, you could, you deal with the right team and all it takes is one Ask Sam Presti that all it takes is one team to go crazy. And, and you get a haul and a half back for them. Y you know, you can start to rebuild this franchise in the way you have to do it. I mean, I just, I just, I, I think, I think both these sides kind of know what has to happen but neither one seems to know how to do it at this point. They seem to, they seem to be very confused as to how to make this split actually happen. And hopefully they can get on the same page in the next couple of months and, and everybody can win uh, with the results. You know, it's funny. I, a lot of people on the, you know, the internet are making the Lakers look like a viable option. And, you know, I, I two things that jump how, out to me. And I've like, said you know, this, what, yeah. I don't think they have anything to give unless they wanted to move off Anthony Davis. And because of clutch sports, they won't do that yet. Nobody wants nothing against KCP, nothing against, you know, Dennis Schroeder is very difficult. I've heard he's been difficult to coach. Kuzma, LeBron and Kuzma don't even, their body language is horrible. Uh, LeBron likes Caruso, but it feels like he could bail on anybody else. Um, so I don't think they have a lot of pieces. But I... The one thing that is interesting when you look at Portland, Dame's a good guy. He could work everywhere. Most of the teams that have the assets are Western teams. And I'm sorry. I, I'm going to have a hard time, Dame, and come back to burn me. Is there an Eastern team? I mean, obviously, Portland ideally would like to move him out uh, you know, of the time zone. Is there a team that works for you? Uh, when it comes to Lillard, I, I mean, you could deal with Philadelphia and talk to uh, Ben Simmons because if you're making a deal like this, you can't do it for like a Bradley Beal centered package or something like that. You have can't. to, if you're going to get another superstar back, it's got to be a superstar under contract for the foreseeable future. And Ben Simmons, despite his warts is still a perennial all-star who is under contract as long as Dame is through 2025. Um, that to me is the only Eastern conference team that makes, well, I mean, I, you know what, as I think about it now with the Eastern, like Boston could, could find a way to get there. Like, you know, would you rather have Jalen Brown or Ben Simmons, like as a centerpiece of a deal? The well, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown is much more coachable. Yeah, he is. He'll give Higher you a ceiling. He, I think. He, well, he also, he plays defense. I mean, Ben plays great defense, can't shoot. Jalen's really molded himself into a nice 22-point a game. What, what yeah. did he average this year, 24? He was right around, he was in the 20s. And one thing, I'm, I mean, living in Boston, I've covered him a lot. Like, you know, he's he improves every single year. Like, this was his best year. And he just, the way this guy works, I can easily see him becoming 25, 26 points per game, 40% three-point shooter. That's not nothing. Like, that, that's, that's a real right. asset who at 24 years old, under contract, which is manageable, by the way, for I think at least the next three years, you you could build around him. Boston, as we've noted many times in the past, protected its draft picks like they're, they're their kids. You know, so they've got all their their assets there at their disposal. Some decent young players, not great, but decent young players 
you can throw into that mix. There's somebody I think that could make a run at Damian Lillard. I fundamentally believe that Harden and Kevin Durant work great together and they could win a championship with a good bench. I, I think what the Suns have been able to do because of Cameron Payne is play Chris 31 minutes. And it's a really healthy, energized Chris Paul at the end of games. Um, you know, you're getting into a situation when you have no bench and the Warriors ran into this. You know, you're just playing your starters 40 plus minutes in these grueling series. And I think Harden, Durant and a steady, strong bench where Kevin can play 33, Harden 34. That's a championship team to me, especially coming out of the East. And I got to tell you, when I saw the Kyrie Irving trade rumor or talk, I thought, that's the guy that worries me. He's erratic. He's erratic physically. He can be erratic emotionally. You know, I always joke, if any of your friends said the earth is flat, you'd be just done calling them. I know it was a joke, but there's part of me that thinks it's sort of Kyrie. He's kind of out there. And I I don't know. There, there's always a taker for somebody of his skill level, but I did kind of buy into it. That I part of that, I read that and I thought, God, we saw Harden really grew this year. His distribution was terrific. I thought he was really, I mean, I was always, you know, I knew he was a great offensive player, Chris, but I always kind of, I thought he was too ball centric. He looked worn down in the playoffs, hard to play with, didn't give you much of an effort on the defensive end. And then I watched this year and I'm like, no, I'm in. I like him. I think the Kyrie Irving rumors I think there's got to be something to it. It it does make a little sense, right? Well, regardless if it makes sense, it is absolutely not going to happen. Like for but for the first thing I thought of when I saw those rumors pop was the incredibly uncomfortable conversation Sean Marks going to have to have with Kyrie because every every GM like and I've had these phone calls with GMs after I've written something about you know a trade talk that was taking place like. Dude, now I got to call this guy and tell him we're not doing it and say, like, we still love you. This is just media being media. Don't worry about it. Put it out of your mind. So I, I would imagine Sean Marks had to have that conversation uh, with Kyrie Irving. Uh, even if you believe that, like you're saying, that Kyrie, you, you, a package that you get back for players for Kyrie makes you a better team overall. Nobody's going to require Kyrie Irving. Like, Kyrie, unless Kyrie comes out and says, I want to be a team X. Nobody's going to trade for him. We, we saw what happens in those situations when Kyrie's unhappy. It's called the Boston Celtics of 2018-19. Nobody's bringing that guy in if he doesn't want to be there because he's going to let it be known that he doesn't want to be there. It's going to bleed out one way or the other. And if you're trying to build something, uh, you can't, I don't think you can bring in a player that's not all in on your particular situation. I, I just, it, it, to me, it, it's highly improbable that something like that uh, could ever come to fruition for that reason. That's amazing that a top five finisher in the league is so toxic. He's untradeable. I don't even remember anything. I mean, because, I mean, again, we don't have, there. there's nothing, there's no crime committed. It's just, I mean, you know, I mean, Kyrie's flaky. He's a little too erratic for me. I could never build around him. But that's amazing. So your your takeaway is he is just off limits. Nobody because I look at Miami and I think they need size. Could they go bam out of Bayou? They're done with Tyler Hero. Put him off the bench for Kyrie. Like I think, oh that that works. And you're you to you zero well, chance. You would have to it have to be a discussion with Kyrie Irving. But if it's 
if it's a Miami, you'd have to go to him and say, look, Miami's made us an offer. We think it makes our team better. But do you want to go there? Like, do you want to play there? Because Miami's, believe me, my God, Miami would have zero tolerance for any Kyrie antics. Like, that's a, a zero tolerance a team as they get. Um, you'd have to, it'd have to be in consultation with Kyrie Irving. And I, I can't think of too many teams that he would want to go to at this point. He signed with Brooklyn because of it's, it's near his hometown. And he wants to play with Kevin Durant. Like they are, they remain very close friends. So I just, I just can't envision a scenario where the Nets just see something they like, get the other team to make a deal, which is, I think, more difficult to, to come together and just unilaterally deal Kyrie. Colin, Kyrie, you've covered him. Kyrie would strike me as the kind of guy who'd be like, you know what? I retire. Like, yeah, that's what he kind of, he might. Like, it might be like, I'm, I'm done. Um, I, I don't need basketball. I'm going to go, you know, do whatever it is I do when I disappear off the map, you know, and go travel the world and do stuff like that. That's the kind of guy he might, he might turn out being at that point. So it's, it's just, to me, there are too many issues to un- unravel before you could do a deal like that. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of hand-cooked tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their hand-cooked test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. His name is Michael Kay, longtime play-by-play voice of the Yankees on the Yes Network. 
talk show host, ESPN New York Radio, in the highly competitive and volatile afternoon slot, and host of the Emmy-winning Center Stage, also on the Yes Network. He's got a book called Center Stage, My Most Fascinating Interviews from A-Rod to Jay-Z. So I grew up in the West Coast, Michael, and the West Coast, for whatever reasons, is not as combative. Uh, It's not Philadelphia. It's not New York. You do talk radio, you make a nice living, and you go on with your day. And so... (laughs) <laughs> and then I, I go to ESPN and I turn it on and it's hosts firing at each other. There's a rancor. There's an angst to it. And in that, you have stayed sort of above ground as kind of a more likable, relatable family guy. Are there times you think, what the fuck is wrong with this business? What is going on? <laughs> it's it's, um, you know, it's so weird, Colin, because when 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 my show was battling Mike Francesa, it was covered in the newspapers and the tabloids like it was a beat. I mean, there was a guy who covered that. I mean, the ratings, the weeklies, imagine the weeklies yeah. covered. And it, there was a lot of pressure. So you finally like vanquish the king and you feel like, well, that's over now. And now they bring in somebody else, Craig Carton, who's a very talented guy. And the war start all over again. And the thing that makes it difficult, and you work for ESPN, I mean, yeah. It's owned by Disney, and I also work for the Yankees. And right. there's a certain decorum you have to have where you right. can't really get that down in the gutter when your competition is able to. Now, I still have confidence that will ultimately prevail, but, you know, you kind of your hands are tied a little bit. No, when I came over to Fox, um, they told me in their pitch, they said, you're not an ESPN guy. You're a Fox guy. They're like, you're not, they're not, like, it's not that you work at ESPN, but you're more of a Fox guy. You feel more West Coast, uh, a little loose, a little bit of a loose cannon. And I didn't take that as, you know, I, that wasn't a criticism. I was like, I can do both, whatever. It doesn't, it's interesting. I'll, I'll say this. And one of the reasons I started this podcast company, because I said it's, it's a more authentic version of me. I could just talk to you like this at a bar at your house, my house, whatever. My takeaway in Francesa was always, it's almost a Trumpian thing where if you listen to my show and you've listened to it enough to know that some of it's tongue in cheek, a big portion of it, you know, it's theatrical. I'm over the top sometimes. Now that doesn't mean I'm not serious, Michael, and I, I'll do a probing interview, but my show is a lot of, you know, it's fun. It's light. Francesa has this Trumpian quality where he thinks, and it's very odd that everything he talks about from presidential debates to Medicare should be taken as fact. And at first I thought it was a bit 10 years ago. I thought this is a bit and like the Al Albuquerque moment. And I'm like, it's not a bit. It, he's a very, I don't know him. I've met him once. He's a very, a Trumpian is the word I use because Trump just bullshits people constantly and pretends he's an expert and really knows very little. It, did you, was the rancor and the animosity with Francesa real between you two? Um, toward the end, it was because uh, I think as we crept closer, because he was there for 30 years and he was on top. And, you know, the thing that angered me is he talked down about us and he, he would call us the peace shooter. And, and, you know, ESPN in New York. I mean, ESPN is such a monolith. The radio wasn't that ultra important. They care, but it's not like FAN, yeah. it's FAN. And that's all they do. Uh, And then he started talking down to us. And then when the Yes Network dropped him on the simulcast and put me on, he said, the only reason I did that is I could control me. And then you're talking about my ethics and morals. And that really angered me. And there was a real animosity there. It got nasty. 
And when we finally beat him, I mean, I got to tell you, I've had a lot of good feelings in my life, some off the radio, some off TV. That's up there. I mean, I felt great. Well, you should. Um, Craig Carton's another guy I only met twice. I'll tell you a Craig Carton story. Please. And uh, it's funny. So about five or six years ago, before he had his really rough situation, right? Um, a really, really important executive had asked me, what do you think of Craig Carton? They were they were thinking of a TV show, a TV radio show. And again, I, I'm I'm not real intuitive on stuff like this. I said, I think he'd be a blast to hang out with. I think he's probably got a big heart, but I don't know if I'd ever trust Craig Carton. And about a year and a half later, his life unraveled. I, I think he's, I, I really, I like Craig's talent. I think he's sort of a, a chemtrail of narcissism and, you know, he, you know how everybody has a side hustle. I think his life sometimes feels like a side hustle, but I do think he has a heart of gold. I think he can do really wonderful things. And I think he does deep down have remorse. What do you make of him? Because I don't think there's ever been a radio personality like him, maybe in the country. I think Colin, that he is tremendously talented. I mean, he really knows how to push buttons as a radio host. He knows how to agitate, instigate. And that's all pretty good when you're taking phone calls and trying to keep an audience. Uh, I think that he will say anything to get ratings. Uh, and uh, I believe that he's he has remorse about what happened. And we had him on the air when he got fired from FAN and everything came crumbling down. We had him on for an hour on an interview. And I thought he was very forthright and humble and all that. And then he called me up and said, would you like to? I'd like to have lunch with you before I go you know, away. So we had about an hour and a half lunch. And I think he's, you know, as you said, he's a great guy to hang with. He's really funny. He's very clever. He's very bright. And now I don't listen to a show because they're on up against him. People tell me, well, he says the worst things about you. I don't, he, he can't feel like that about me because I've never given him a reason. I never, I never go at him on the air, never refer to him on the air, but he does say things about me. And to me, that's a part of the, the fight that I don't like, I'm not going to get down in the dirt. Not at my age. I've been around it too long. And I do work for like two Tiffany brands that would probably frown on it anyway. But but Craig is a very aggressive guy on the air. And that's who he is. Yeah. And a, a very aggressive guy in real life as well. The only time I've ever done an interview that I recall that I couldn't air was Lawrence Taylor. I thought he was on something. <laughs> uh I knew he was on something. I just couldn't air it. I did a. I don't do many pre-taped interviews. I did one, and I just turned to my staff and I'm like, "I that can't go on the air." Um, you had a similar feel with Mike Tyson. Tyson was two hours late, and when you're running a television show, time is money. They're cameramen, they're a lot of staff. You're renting out studios and things like that. Showed up two hours late and showed up with two buddies. And then they were paired into his dressing room and they were there for about an hour. And from underneath the door, you smelled skunk pot. So they were getting high. And then he comes out and he was feeling it. You could tell, you could see his eyes, but you know, time is money. Let's do the, let's do the interview. Colin, I'll tell you what. He sat there and for over an hour, he either started weeping, laughing uproariously, Happy, sad. I thought he was going to hit me at one point. Everybody in the audience was sitting on the edge of their seat. 
sitting on the edge of their seat. It was so raw and so visceral. And I found this out only three weeks ago. It's not in the book because I found it out three weeks ago. So the show ends and you leave the show and you go, wow, that was something because he let it all out. The show airs on Yes. And a guy who's watching the show by the name of Spike Lee. He watches the entire show, picks up the phone, calls up Tyson and goes, that's a one-man Broadway show, what you just did. And that was the start of Tyson on Broadway. That's crazy. Isn't that unbelievable? And, you know, my complaint to Spike, how about a little something for the effort? I wasn't in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, interviewing is, is, is funny. Um, I had a rough one with Jim Harbaugh. Then I had to end it. Um, Jim was just uh, Jim's on the spectrum a little and he was just not in the mood and I could be on the spectrum a little and I I could sense it was just going nowhere and I ended it. Did you ever have to end it or stop production? Uh, God, if you didn't stop with Tyson, it doesn't sound like anything would stop it. But was there ever a moment you thought, Jesus, this is awful? Um, The worst. We've had 240 interviews in 20 years and there's 35 in the book. And the worst one ever was Dennis Quaid, the actor. So he was promoting the movie, The Rookie. You remember the teacher who became a pitcher for the Tampa Bay, Jim Moore? Yeah. So he shows up at the studio and I, I guess he thought it was like a Regis and Kelly thing where eight minutes and he's out and he's told it's an hour and he's chapped, which I don't understand how his people, his handlers wouldn't have told him that. So he sits down on the chair in the chair and he, he's not ready to play. And I'm asking him questions. So it's an eight-segment show, and this is the first two segments. Every answer, Colin, is yes, no, yes, no. Oh, right? God. So after the second segment, we go to commercial, and I lean over. I said, hey, listen, the show's an hour. You can't speed it up. I got thousands of questions. You're going to look bad. I'm not. It's up to you how you want this to go. And like he was stunned that somebody would talk to him like that. You know, he's a big star and he picked it up a little bit. And because, again, time is money and we're a regional sports network. You can't just throw the interview away. We ran it, but it was not our proudest moment. It was not his proudest moment. That was the toughest one. That's it. Of all the interviews we ever did, I'd say that was that was the only bad one that I'd say I could. And maybe I blame myself because I see him on The Tonight Show or on Kimmel and Colbert. And he's a great guest. But maybe he's a great guest in eight-minute segments. But for an hour, he wasn't ready to play. That wraps it up for the week. We're heading into another big week here at The Volume. Make sure to subscribe and follow us at The Volume Sports on Twitter and Instagram. The Volume. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.